Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. In this episode, I'm chatting with highly respected custom integration professional, Chris Smith, the CEO of Cloud9 Smart in New York City. Cloud9 is one of those companies that just seems to have its act together in the very sophisticated and competitive market that is New York City. And one of the main reasons for their stature is the leadership and intelligence of Chris Smith, who joins us now. Thanks for taking the time out of your schedule again um, to talk to me, Chris. We spoke about, let's see, it was about two weeks ago, and uh, it was my very first Zoom call um, of the quarantine, and now these things are like old hat. I'm <laughs> like, you know, so used to doing this. So, sorry, I talked over you there. Can you? Uh, I was going to say, are you feeling a bit zoomed out? I think that's uh, starting to become a thing. Yeah, I think we're kind of realizing when we don't actually need to be on a call um, and when we can send an email <laughs> or a text, you know. Um, right. But uh, it's an interesting world. You know, we're all, uh, we're all seeing each other's faces when we didn't used to. So um, tell us how you ended up in Aspen, Colorado. I mean, you and I talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was surprised to see you with snow in the background when I was expecting to see you maybe, uh, you know, encamped there in New York um, in the city. But uh, can you sure. let the audience know how you ended up in Aspen? So when New York City decided to issue a shelter-in-place order, Um, and then they shut down the job sites, it was pretty evident that the ability to be physically present either in our office or in work was going to be almost zero. At that point, uh, I looked at my girlfriend and she and I made the, the determination that if we were going to get out of the city, it was going to be then. And we had a feeling it was going to be for quite some time. We weren't talking about a week or two, not even a month or two. We figured this might be on the, the magnitude of months, plural. And so when we uh, made the decision, we started to look at what our options were. She has a family house here in Aspen, and it's large enough to be able to accommodate uh, her parents as well as us and still maintain plenty of distancing. Um, So we packed up the car, drove across the country in about two days, 29 hours and almost 2,000 miles, and uh, relocated here with our dog, Cooper, and uh, have been here, uh, geez, I, I think we might be coming up on this is week three at this point oh wow yeah that's a it's a long stretch now you're um all healthy and got out without any any symptoms or anything like that absolutely we've been really fortunate that not just Catherine and myself and her family have been healthy my family's been healthy uh, but also our employees have been healthy Um, and that's something that i'm truly thankful and appreciative of some of their family members have not been so lucky, um, and some people are are fighting, um, you know, the disease with you know sisters or fathers or you know whoever it might be, one degree separated from them, um, and that's obviously something we're we're really tuned into right now. Is trying to make sure that everyone's family is doing well and they've got space and time to take care of themselves and their families. So we talked before about. Uh the size of your company and some of the decisions you're having to make just to kind of get things, um, you know, back up and running when, when the quarantine is lifted. So um, just so people that don't know about your company, how big is your company staff wise and what, 
what are you looking at when you're coming back as a reality in terms of operations? Yeah, that's a great question. And these things are moving awfully fast. Uh, so why don't we kind of start with where we were coming into this at the beginning of March and through the middle of March, we were 33 people. Um, when we started to see the new economic normal on the outcome of this, we immediately downsized from 33 to 24 and let go of nine uh, really great employees. Um, we didn't do it because we thought it was required at that moment based on financials. We thought that that was going to be the new normal when everything shakes out at the end of this in a few months. Um, we have since uh, furloughed to zero hours, but still maintained employment for of the remaining 24. And out of the remaining 20, we're currently looking at what New York calls a shared work plan. And it allows um, hours to be varied from about 40% utilization to 80% utilization. Um, and then in the time that they're not being utilized, they're allowed to collect unemployment plus the federal PUA grant. And so we're currently working through that. We have our application ready to submit. Um, it's a really great program for those in New York State. And I'm, I'm sure that there are other opportunities for it in other states that are similar. And the reality in New York is a lot different, obviously, than a lot of other markets that haven't been hit as hard by the, the virus. Um, you, you realized early on that this was just not a safe working environment, even if you were federally allowed to be doing work. And then I think you probably realized you can't even get into buildings. Um, I've heard that from other New York-based integrators who just like doormen don't allow you to come in if you don't live there. So you really just only could do remote work, right? Yeah, that's correct. So the situation um, quickly evolved. We shut down our operations on a Wednesday. That Friday, the governor announced that the shelter in place or what they in New York, they call a pause order was issued. At that time, uh, job sites were still open. Um, and we had a very difficult decision to make, which was the safety of our employees against moving forward milestones for financial gain. And what we said was, it's just not worth it if one of our employees were to get sick or to get one of their family members sick. A week after the governor issued his order for pause, they then actually shut down all non-essential job sites. And so that would be anything that's not for the actual infrastructure of fighting COVID. So it's not to say that someone does internet work, so therefore they're essential. If it's not for the purposes of, of helping people and making people healthy, then it's not essential. So at that point, all of our revenues associated with project work had to, had to stop and pause as well. That's about two thirds of our revenue as a company. Um, the other one third is all of our service agreements, as well as our um, circuits, voice and data, and our voice over IP phone systems and managed services outsourced IT. All of those services can be rendered and, and we have to maintain them um, because of the contracts that we have in place. So one third of our revenue is fully functioning and, uh, and being maintained by our staff. Um, and that's really what we're trying to size the company towards in this kind of interim period, you know, what I'll call a bridge until we find ourselves back into the field again. How busy has that work been? Um, and is it typical um, volume of, of uh, service calls or is it more, you know, more active because everyone is engaged online right now? 
you know, it varies a great deal. Um, our business is split almost equally between residential and commercial. And so the residential business that we have in terms of AV maintenance and service agreements has actually been a little bit more quiet. Some of the work that we have there needs to be done on site, but we can't be doing it at the moment. Um, the rest of that work, all of our job sites are up and running on Blue Bolt for power um, and PackEdge with Backpack for remote access and networks. And so that allows us to really take care of most of our customers for most of their needs. Um, that being said, some of our residential customers did what I did, which was left the city. And so they don't necessarily need service on their city homes. They might be out in the Hamptons or in another region of, of the country um, or abroad. And so what we've seen is the um, AV maintenance requirements that we've had for residential have, have slowed down quite a bit. The AV maintenance that we do for commercial sites, which would be things like offices, is very slow because all the offices are shut down. So very few of our customers would, would be essential. The IT side of what we do, manage services, that's still quite active because even though the office might be shut down, they're still having us manage all of their technology remotely, which keeps their full teams engaged. So that actually has not slowed down and our teams are very, very busy. In terms of things like phone systems, voice and data circuits, obviously with offices shut down, they're not using it in the office, but those systems can be used remotely. And so getting the clients up and running at a remote basis is still very active um, and then troubleshooting anything they might have. So it's really interesting to see you know, teams like our service department and teams like our accounting department do not look any less busy than they were before this incident. Um, you know, if so, it, it would only be mildly um, versus our installation department, project management, technicians. Those departments are definitely a lot more slow. And even the sales department is a lot more slow. So I think it varies depending on who you look at. Thanks for listening to Residential Tech Talks. Today's episode is brought to you by Sony. Sony's OLED TVs and Master Series meet the strict criteria of the top engineers and make beautiful images a reality. Their 4K HDR TVs pair the brilliance of 4K with the brightness, color, and detail of high dynamic range. See how every scene comes to life with this extraordinary realism. Discover a new level of immersive cinematic audio at home with Dolby Atmos and acoustic surface audio. You'll enjoy three-dimensional surround sound that takes your breath away. See everything new from the world of Sony USA, including electronics, the new PlayStation 5, movies, music, and TV shows. Visit www.sony.com to learn more. So, so what is your day-to-day -day managing the team that is still um, active? Um, are, what's your engagement with them? Do you have a daily meeting just to kind of touch base and make sure everyone is still okay? And, um, you know, just kind of a little motivation uh, kickstart. So we run, we run the business on Slack. And as a function of that, we're always communicating in our Slack channels. Uh, um, that has not changed. We still use our, our uh, CRM and ERP tool called ConnectWise. We're still actively managing projects and clients in there. Um, we use a rhythm where I meet with each one of my direct reports who heads up each department. That happens on a weekly basis and that has not, not changed. So we keep that meeting rhythm identical. And that's really our check-in. And each one of those team leads then also meets with their team members on a weekly basis. 
and that has not changed. So from a, a work rhythm continuity perspective, we still have to have all of those same pieces because it's what keeps all the balls in the air. Um, in terms of additional meetings, this is really where I think uh, we're adding to the workload, not subtracting from the workload. So now, for instance, we're having conversations with our finance department about the PPP loan. Well, that had to get created, submit, chasing down the bank, making sure that if they fail, that we have a fallback plan, double checking with our CPA that that's actually going to be what we think it is, making sure our calculations are correct. Um, that's actually adding to the workload, not taking away. Additionally, we have to do certain things around additional management techniques. So we run a pretty good accounts receivable, but in times of stress, accounts receivable are even more important. So we need to make sure that that is really buttoned up and tight. Additionally, because we carry so much in deposits for our customers' projects, there might be additional workload to figure out if we're in really great shape around our deposits. Well, typically we don't have to think about it very much, but we definitely don't want to get underwater. And so, you know, that added an extra layer. So if I looked, my guess is that each given week, there's probably eight to 10 hours of additional work that we didn't have to do during normal business rhythms that we should keep an extra tight eye on when things are tough. How much, um, as a member of um, ASEAN Unlimited, which I'll call a buying group in this case, just for simplicity, but we know it's called something else internally. Um, how much collaboration do you have with your, your peers in the group right now in terms of what they're going through? Yeah, so I'm a member of, of ASEAN as a buying group, and I'm also a member of other networking groups internally to New York City. Um, and what I'll say is these groups represent an immense resource. Uh, the first question is everyone gets to share. And when they share, it allows you to see if you have a blind spot or not. Um, to be fair, when the PPP first came out and there was a lot of kind of questions around it, I wasn't sure whether it made sense for us to participate in the loan program or not. And as you started to hear about it, more and more people would contribute through ASEON and it allowed me to see a blind spot and say, Oh, make sure I've double checked and done my homework here. Um, we may choose to invoke the loan or not, but we should definitely be applying and let's make sure we don't miss that blind spot. Um, other ways, for instance, would be uh, people that are looking at uh, their staffing requirements. Well, this is a really interesting question. I think there's a great share to be had throughout the organization about the different moves that people are making within their business. Um, another example early on was, should we tap a line of credit uh, to carry through our personnel? Um, you know, so all these types of questions get asked within the group, and I find them to be particularly valuable. So in the framework of ASEAN, we can see that within the integrator community. Then over in the networking side, I'm looking at other CEOs that are asking that question of their businesses outside of the integration community to double check you know, assumptions. Anything that you can share from uh, those um, conversations that you, you know, besides wh whether to take the loan or not, but uh, any other, any observations that have been made out there that, that are applicable to what you do or just the industry as a whole that, that could be useful for other CEOs, business owners out there? Yeah, I think you know, this week I'll lead a, uh, a group in my CEO group about um, what's the new normal look like for business 
And what will you as a business do to pivot? Um, so there's an example of people changing. So within our um, executives group, there was a gentleman who made uh, painter's tarps and painter's pants and all the job sites are shut down. So he has nothing to make. Uh, his business is at zero. Uh, he has pivoted and begun making reusable face masks. I didn't know he was even doing it. Today we placed our order so that all of our employees could have several reusable face masks. Um, it's great because I get to support a fellow executive. It's great because I get to support a friend and it's a made in the USA business. It all feels right to me. Um, and it will help my employees when we're all said and done. And it's definitely something that creates kind of morale and team, team good. Uh, so I think that that's great. Um, another one of those executives, for instance, has a catering company while well, the catering business is decimated. So he's pivoted to doing actually at home food delivery. Um, fantastic solution given the, the abilities and skill sets. So what we're starting to look at within the integration community is, well, what will our new normal be? From a residential perspective, actually, I think it's going to go quite well for us. We tend to operate in the high end of the market. Those people tend to be pretty tempered uh, when it comes to their ability to weather storms like this. In the commercial side of our business, we're going to see some businesses fail. We're going to see some businesses shrink and grow depending upon what they do. Um, will they actually have the same amount of this space? Well, that fundamentally will change what our commercial business looks like. Will they utilize the same technologies in the same way or will you be selling different technologies? So I think one of the big questions that seems to kind of emanate from this is, can we anticipate some sense of new normal and can we begin pivoting our businesses to help align to it and catering to it so that we come out of this with a momentum rather than choosing to pivot after the fact? Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of us wonder when that pivot will take place or when when we can go back to some semblance of business. But, uh, you know, you have no crystal ball. I don't have one. Do you have a sense from New York's uh, flattening of the curve? How far out you are looking, you know, just in terms of, you know, cash flow, you kind of have to have some sense of where you're going. Um, just to speculate a little bit on what you're hearing and how far out you think it'll be before you can even start going back into residential buildings in New York. Sure. Yeah. And for us, it's both resi and commercial, right? And so it, we don't necessarily know, and obviously you're right. Your crystal ball is no better than mine. Um, from an anticipation perspective, just so that we could shore up the foundation, prepare for cash flow, right size the business. The presentation that we gave back to our employees was that we believe that 30 days at the time we told them was unrealistic. We think 60 days is the minimum. This was really centering from the beginning of April. So what that means is that we think at the end of May is our real minimum. Uh, we believe that June is probably much more realistic for us. Um, and our contingency plan carries us through the end of July. Do you have new procedures in mind for the way you're going to go about business after you do get back to the city? I mean, I've talked to friends about, you know, what's our new normal going to look like just as citizens, you know, are we all going to kind of want to stick to having masks for a while? And maybe it is a requirement that we do that, you know, whenever we get back to having big group gatherings, I wouldn't imagine those are going to be the same as they used to be. Um, even going to something like a, you know, like a, a buffet line at a restaurant seems like a horrible idea these days, you know, but uh, maybe you just have someone stationed there keeping things wiped down and, 
and that's your new your new normal, your new procedure. For for a business owner, it seems like getting all these pieces in place, you know, getting the masks and everything seems like a, a great idea to start with. Um, we feel like you're going to have to kind of keep these standards in place for quite a while, even after the quarantine's lifted. Yes, I, I think you're right. I think it is the new normal. In other words, I don't even think it's a temporary normal. I think it's probably the way it will be because it's such an easy thing to do. I can't see why you wouldn't. So I think the concept of masks and gloves for all technicians, service technicians, project managers, salespeople, everyone who's out in the field, I can't see why we wouldn't provide these things. Um, you know, I think I did the math and across in three reusable masks for each employee, it's less than $30 an employee. I mean, that sounds like pretty short money to make sure that everyone's safe and happy and feels a better sense of confidence. Um, you know, rubber gloves aren't nearly that expensive. So I think in terms of a per employee cost, it, it sounds like a really good idea as an ongoing strategy. Um, in terms of internal employees, you know, people like finance and maybe engineers, et cetera, why wouldn't we have them do the exact same thing even in the office to help prevent the spread? So it all just seems pretty, pretty straightforward to me. Um, in terms of sanitation, you know, we have a, a cleaning service come by the office uh, to clean every single day. I think the question starts to become, at, you know, do we need to re-sanitize the office in a really proper way prior to coming back, I think that's probably a reality. Um, so there's definitely something that will probably be an ongoing version of a complete sanitization process. It's probably necessary to do. We had talked about that actually before we shut the office down. Um, you know, in the interim, there's continuity conversations, right? Where's the mail going? Where do shipments go? So we kind of had to start to sort through all those things. And we did that pretty early on. Uh, when we come back, obviously, we're going to have to kickstart that machine and get it recentered. So that has to be a new normal. Um, purchasing and receiving, you know, these things are, are somewhat elastic, but they really do have to get jump started again. And so we had to turn those things off because we, even if we could receive them, we didn't have anywhere for them to go. And so we thought about that. Now we have to think about when we get restarted, when do we restart? When will those job sites be able to receive product? Because we can't just keep taking an infinite amount of product into the, the facility we have in New York City. So there are some, I think, fundamental logistical questions about that. Um, in terms of healthcare, when are we going to have some kind of a version of a test that allows us to see if people have antibodies? Because if they do, and there's some sense of confidence that those antibodies allow them to operate more freely in the world with, with a greater confidence about being healthy, those would be the people I'd like to send back to the field first. Those would be the people I'd like to send back to the office first. Um, if we don't have that, what's the best method? All of these questions, they all seem really important, but none of them seem really as important as making sure everyone stays healthy and at home and safe. Uh, and that we figure out the correct staffing for the company. So it almost feels like let's take care of those first bits. And then when we have a breath and a moment, then let's address those next steps, which feel like we still have a little bit of runway to get to. 
For sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll ask you one last question. And it's just the important element of the vendors that we deal with in this industry, the manufacturers who produce the products and supply the products that we that are installed in the homes and businesses. And um, just in general, what is your um you know, conversation been like with those vendors, those key vendors that you deal with? You know, what I think is great is the vendors that we've chosen, and we did this several years ago, we really narrowed it down. They had to provide great products. They had to provide great service around their products. They had to be great people. So fundamentally, we like to do business with people like. Um, and then we wanted to, to have as few of those people in any given category as we could. So that hasn't changed. And what's great is those people still are friends. Um, so it's fantastic to jump on a call with somebody, have a conversation about what they're doing with their business and what we're doing with ours. And they're not trying to sell something. They're not trying to, they understand what's happening and they're really tuned in. And I think it's because we chose well, right? I think it's because we chose well and they chose well and they understand. I think if someone sees a number drop for a month or two, they're going to have a very good understanding as to why it has nothing to do with our fundamental business. We have the strongest business we have had in years. Um, and we have the biggest project backlog we've ever had. So at some point the dam is going to need to burst and we're going to need all of those things. And I think that they're kind of, they're ready, willing, waiting in the interim, they're being really supportive in terms of resources. So there's a lot of training that's happening. Kind of like you mentioned at the beginning, we're getting a little zoomed out. I think there's this training question. There's only so many training sessions you can put people through before they get trained out. Um, meanwhile, we're trying to do the best. Um, I think all of those people have been really supportive in that way. Um, we had a, a vendor recently send out a communication to all of their dealers and they asked really thoughtful, pointed questions about, are you running on a skeleton staff or do you still have full staff? Do you have the ability to ship and receive product? Yes or no. Is it on limited days or is it full bore? Um, do you have the ability to, um, to train your employees? So they were asking through all the right things to make sure that they were offering the right goods and services back to us in a time of need. Well, that's great to hear. Um, sounds like you did really choose wisely there. And thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate your time today. Um, I, I, I know that uh, it's, there's a lot of questions, but you, you seem to have a great analytical sense of this industry and how to run a business. Uh, you know, getting your, your perspective from time to time is, is really helpful for everyone. So uh, appreciate it and um, hope that you get back to New York sooner than later. And thanks for your Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Stay healthy. Residential, 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 residential,